Hello and welcome to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. As you all have noticed, I am not your regular host, Miles Dawson. He's injured today, so I'm in off the bench. My name is Matthew Heath, and today we're going to be looking at AI, and in particular, the issue of AI and ethics. This podcast will make up a part of a series of podcasts we'll be doing this year around the topic of AI, so look out for future episodes. With me today are Neil Ward-Dutton and Jack Vernon. Hello both. I wonder if you could just do a quick introduction of yourself for the listeners. Hello listeners, uh, my name's Jack and I've been covering AI for the last three years and I'm a senior analyst at IDC. And uh, yeah, hi, uh, I'm Neil Ward-Dutton. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I guess, a, a VP at IDC in Europe and I lead our AI practice in Europe. And I also, off to the side, run a practice around automation. Great, welcome. So to start off, why is everyone talking about the ethics of AI at the moment? First thing to say is, um, in fact, it's not even just about AI and ethics, although that's what we're going to focus on here. The issue of ethics in general around technology has become a really, really huge issue. And this is really because as digital technologies and products and services, they're reaching ever more broadly and deeply into citizens' lives, as well as into the ways that businesses operate internally. So the ethical use of technology in general, which is about asking questions about whether technology should be used a certain way, it's naturally becoming a much higher priority concern for governments and wider societies. And however, though, ethical considerations are particularly important in the context of modern AI-powered systems. And there's two main reasons for this. The first is really, um, it's all to do with how modern AI systems are built and the techniques that people use to put them together. And um, many listeners, I'm sure, probably all listeners of this will know, it, this is fundamentally about machine learning. And machine learning techniques that are being used uh, far and wide in AI systems today, they, they rely on uh, techniques that introduce extra complexity into how systems are built that can rise, uh, give rise to unintended consequences. And to be specific, when we look at how software is traditionally developed, you know, people program systems to do specific things. And we know uh, when we're doing it exactly what the computer is being told to do. But when you look at modern machine learning techniques that are driving AI systems, people aren't really programming big chunks of that software. Actually, the, the machine learning techniques enable systems to learn how to perform best. Uh, and potentially there's only arm's length involvement from humans. So where those systems might end up making material recommendations or maybe even automatically making and enforcing decisions around, for example, whether somebody's allowed to have access to a service or a product, or indeed whether, whether someone's even going to be sent to jail. Um, it's crucial that we develop really strong governance practices around the techniques that are involved. Now, that's the first point, right? That's all about how these systems are built and how, if you're not careful, you can kind of introduce extra complexity. But then additionally, for some use cases, there are also risks to individual privacy and indeed even uh, risks around discrimination that could crystallize either accidentally because personal data isn't well protected maybe or understood. So the, the data that's being used to train these systems could be data that should be really protected and maybe it's not protected properly. Um, or maybe there's bias introduced into the training data. Um, or indeed it could be um, those risks are crystallizing deliberately because um, people are, are pursuing applications which they really shouldn't be pursuing. So some kinds of applications of facial recognition, for example. I know we're going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. So 
three, three, just to recap on those three points, ethics generally around digital technology is becoming ever more key point. You just got to look at how Facebook and Google and these guys are being scrutinized. Machine learning really drives a lot of the, the discussion around AI specifically, but there's also really, really important issues around privacy, personal data usage and uh, potential for discrimination in those contexts. Jack, what else did you want to add around that? Yeah, you know, I'd just add that uh, <clears throat> there's definitely something to be said about the nature of the new use cases that AI is enabling as well. So covert AI systems or AI systems that can be used for some kind of espionage um, or even the surveillance of citizens within society. You know, these possibilities were not really, well, the capabilities around this technology was nowhere near of the same quality as it has been enabled with this new wave of AI techniques. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that's another important point to highlight. Um, I'd also like to just talk about sort of the flashpoints around, you mentioned about the data and uh, in particular facial recognition, which perhaps we'll get onto a, a bit later. I think there's two real critical sort of flashpoints that, have, um, that really speak to this issue. And the, the first being, Amazon's use of AI in their CV search engine, which they had to essentially can because it was filtering out too many people um, that weren't essentially either white and male and had gone to a select group of about five universities. So, you know, there's a problem there when you train systems on data and they essentially reinforce the biases within society. Um, and then also in China, where everyone is kind of waking up to the fact that uh, companies in corporate in partnership with the government are now uh, working to develop citizens to really deeply survey society and almost create a scoring system for society as well. I think these are the real two big examples of uh, outside of facial recognition of where artificial intelligence is creating like you know a big ethical concern flashpoint if you like. That's slightly terrifying as well it sounds kind of like Black Mirror to me but um, so, so the issues that you talked about there there's a lot of kind of global issues, I guess, particular to AI. Is there anything specific to AI within Europe that you can talk about or that, that you, that's different than, say, US or worldwide kind of issues? Anything in region? Yeah, so the European Commission is trying to get itself going and ahead of the game with this issue. So it, in 2018, it established a high-level expert group, um, which is essentially a group of experts to from industry, academics... Um, government and the legal profession to look in depth at uh, the entire topic area of artificial intelligence and ethics. And in April last year, they came up with a set of published guidelines, requirements for developing trustworthy AI. And these mainly focus around you know, putting human agency into the development of the technology, incorporating te technical robustness and safety, uh, adding privacy and data governance rules and transparency, um, ensuring that diversity and fairness is kind of adhered to around the development of AI, and looking at the social impacts and environmental well-being that uh, AI could even distort. So they've kind of come up with this sort of set of frameworks and requirements to discuss the topic, and now they're working through whether they need to go a step further and perhaps create some legislation uh, around the technology. And there's been a lot of mood music, if you like, around, around development of this legislation. So you have people like Ursula von der Leyen, who's the incoming president of the European Commission, saying that in her first 100 days that she'd like to create some type of AI legislation. 
And also behind this is Angela Merkel, who's entering her final term as General Chancellor, who also has said that she would like to see uh, a piece of legislation that is an equivalent to GDPR around AI. So yeah, there's, a, there's a, a lot of a lot going around about this topic, and also um, there's pressure from the US to kind of give as much of a light, lighter touch as possible on this issue, as basically the large tech companies developing AI technology, they don't want to see any uh, legislation from the European Commission that's going to affect their business long term as well. So there's different kind of pressure groups emerging already. And there's actually also as well a lot of existing legislation that kind of covers the area of AI in different ways. So if you look at GDPR, for instance, for instance uh, and facial recognition data. So actually under GDPR, facial recognition data falls under the guise of sensitive biometric data. So if you want to collect any of this biometric data, you actually need to seek the permission of the users to do so. Um, but, as we'll go on to discuss in a second, this has not actually been enforced uh, very robustly across the European Union and it's become a bit of a, a flashpoint issue. So I think what I'm saying is that, is that the debate is still ongoing, the European, European Commission is still trying to work out uh, what it specifically wants to do on the issue, uh, but there's an incoherent landscape uh, around what is actually happening uh, across the, the block at the moment. And just to add to that, I mean, just to, I suppose, take a step back, um, it's worth coming back to your point, uh, Matt. Um, you know, what is it that's different in Europe? And just to, to kind of talk about why that is, um, why there is a difference. And, and I think it's worth remem remembering that European societies in the main um, share values uh, that are all around promoting individual privacy, protection from discrimination and strong corporate governance. And those things aren't necessarily seen the same everywhere else. And those things all have a very strong bearing on the issues we were talking around, around AI and uh, risks. So it's natural that the European Commission, together with many governments of individual European states, are engaging, you know, really deeply and seriously. And as Jack said, you know, it is a little bit chaotic and fast moving at the moment, but that's, that's kind of natural. I mean, what's encouraging is that there is a lot of energy going into this. Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up is actually something from our own research uh, which is more about kind of readiness of organisations to deal with this. So we know, and Jack's just uh, well pointed out there, that the from a governmental perspective, there's a lot of energy going into this. But when you look at what corporations are doing, um, we did a big study middle of last year asking uh, about all kinds of aspects of AI adoption. And we asked a, a couple of questions about ethics specifically. And one of the things we found was that there is quite a big, you might call it kind of ethics gap, so when we looked um, at organizations who were already uh, implementing AI, so this is not general population, this is people who are already doing it, only 16% of them saw that um, dealing with AI ethics considerations would be any kind of barrier to implementation. Um, so you know, 84% of them said, essentially, not a problem. But at the same time, only 18% of them had established some kind of senior management position looking at this issue and taking ownership of this. So when you think of those two things together, you see that maybe companies aren't taking this as seriously as they should. Think about how fast um, the, the movement in the regulatory landscape is kind of building. Um, there's a, a real need for European organisations to get to grips with this. And this is something we're recommending far and wide at the moment. So <laughs> I was about to say, wow, it sounds like we're safe for now in the EU with the legislation up. Uh, 
but actually you've kind of said the flip side of that is that the, the companies are coming at it from a different point of view and it's not so while it's on the agenda at the eu for example it's not necessarily on the agenda in boardrooms at the moment yeah and i think it's a nice way of putting yeah, it yeah, yeah 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 okay um what do you think will happen in terms of the regulation then well is there do you think they'll it's like i said it's on the agenda and they're talking about it will there will there be something as firm as gdpr come down and we all have to sign up for for that kind of thing yeah well, well i think jack's already he's tackled a number of the points um i think there but there's a couple of extra bits to, to add in i suppose um so um, Jack talked about Ursula von der Leyen and, and her very, very bold statement. <laughs> My first 100 days, we're going to introduce, uh, we're going to put forward legislation. And uh, I think, like you kind of intimated there, Jack, there's an awful lot of this is kind of posturing as much as anything else, right? So um, it's about putting some kind of stake in the ground, a starting point for negotiation, if you like, rather than being something that is very likely to come to pass. Um, you know, when you look at the different risks that can possibly crystallize as you're building and then deploying AI systems. Um, as Jack said, you know, there's a lot of legislation that can already be brought to bear if only people apply it properly um, and really enforce it. So the GDPR um, and, and the, the right to explanation, I, I can't remember exactly which article it is of the GDPR, but there is a, a key part of that legislation and regulation, which is about if uh, an automated system is making decisions based on your personal data, you have a right to have an explanation as to how that decision is being arrived at. So that really points quite squarely at a need to have explainable AI in any material decision making, if you're going to use AI. So there is a lot of stuff already around that. Um, and so I think what we would, I'm putting words in your mouth, so tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what we probably both agree on is that we're unlikely to see a whole load of net new legislation in, in, in a kind of in, in, in terms of something really big and bold, it's more likely to be kind of filling in gaps um, and kind of better, clearer frameworks for understanding how to enforce existing legislations. It's more likely to be a bit more of a patchwork approach than anything sort of big and new and bold. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Neil, uh, entirely. And I think if you look at the number of the projects that are happening on a countrywide level, uh, it'd be very difficult for the European Union to kind of, you know, press ahead with some serious piece of legislation that would anyway block some of these big political commitments that a number of government departments have made across the block. So in France, there is a project called the Alichem, uh, which is like a digital facial recognition based ID that you can use online. Um, there's a project in Germany to roll out facial recognition systems across 135 train stations. Right. And in Hungary, there's a project to roll out 35,000 facial recognition cameras around Budapest and the wider areas. There's a, there's a lot of projects that are already off the ground. Um, and I think it'd be very difficult for the European Union to put those back in the box right now. But I'd also like to draw out an example of like the inconsistent application of the GDPR regulation around facial recognition. The police force in Wales uh, were trialling uh, use of facial recognition technology outside a train station to try and catch any sort of truant people who hadn't paid their ticket. And a, a guy there decided to cover his face so that no one could, so the cameras couldn't capture his face essentially. And the Welsh police arrested him and brought him to trial. He claimed that under his right to GDPR, they should have sought his permission in, in the first place before taking, taking part in the, and asked him if he wants to take part in the trial. Uh, but when it went to the Welsh Supreme Court, 
they found in favour of the Welsh Police. Uh, it's now gone to the High Court in the UK and they're still waiting to work out what decision they're actually going to make. Uh, in contrast, in Sweden, a local authority was recently fined €19,000 under the GDPR because they were trialling the use of facial recognition technology to track the attendance of school children at a local school. So what we're finding is there's a really inconsistent uh, landscape of what countries are doing and local authorities are doing and the European Commission's position. I think they're trying to move as quickly as possible to kind of take back this inconsistency across the different countries in the European Union. That's really interesting. Um, and do we as IDC have recommendations around ethics for adopters? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a, a, a key topic of our research uh, for this year, and we've already uh, published our first report uh, on this. Uh, and one of the, the, the main aspects here is um, some recommendations for adopters. And uh, we've got four, um, which I'll try and go through really quickly. Um, first off is don't assume that your technology providers have dealt with or indeed can deal with all the issues relating to ethical AI implementation. You need to take responsibility yourself. Second is uh, take your cues regarding design of an ethical AI agenda for your organization um, from broader vision and mission and values and strategy positions that your organization has taken. You need to tie this together with the, the way that as a corporation, you're trying to drive forward. Third is, um, is to, to build and implement a clear framework that's aligned with this agenda. And it, it contextualizes and explains the processes and the decisions that teams will need to follow when implementing AI. So it needs to be really actionable. It can't just be a statement of intent. You need to actually be very clear about how this is gonna be done and how it needs to be done consistently. And lastly, assign a senior executive who's got accountability for consistent application of the framework. Now those are the four key recommendations we've got and we'll be coming back to them with more detail through the year. Great. Okay, so one of the regular features of this series uh, around AI is that we'll cover some kind of uh, like a rundown of news stories or uh, things that are coming up at the moment. So Jack, over to you. Do we have a, do we have a news jingle? We should have a news jingle. We should have a news jingle. Let's get one for the next webcast. Yeah. <laughs> next podcast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a number of stories that happened in the previous quarter that I wanted to highlight on the podcast. Um, the first one I think is of real interest is that uh, the European Patent Office recently rejected uh, the first attempt to register an AI as an official inventor. So a guy at the University of Surrey uh, used an AI-generated uh, algorithm to create a drinks container concept, which he then submitted to the EU Patent Office. The office then ruled that the AI couldn't be considered a legitimate creator uh, and it had to be treated uh, as a sort of separate entity and that it was in fact the, the, the design of the guy who submitted the um, original patent submission. The team at the University of Surrey, uh, led by a guy called Ryan Abbott on the legal side, said that actually the European Patent Office had got this wrong and that the right approach would have been to have let the AI be listed as the inventor and for the AI's owner, i.e. himself, to be the owner of the patents that it created as this would lead to more innovative and active uh, operations of the patent system and allow in inventors of inventive AI, if that makes sense, uh, to basically be more creative and put less obstacles in their way. The European Patent Court uh, disagreed with this argument, saying that one of the main issues was that the, the AI inventor couldn't fulfil some of the key 
objectives that a normal uh, inventor would, would be able to, such as updating the patents and actually going to attend the hearings at court. Well, you know, who knows in a couple of years, maybe the, the AI will be there. Who knows? So another major piece of news that I wanted to highlight is that the European Union has created a 220 million euro fund to try and keep AI-related talent in European research institutes across across the block. So what's been happening is that tech giants and large financial institutions have been pinching really highly skilled AI developers out of research institutions. And this grant has basically been created to try and up these guys' wages so they're not tempted to disappear off into the annals of the tech giants and financial institutions. So I think what this story highlights is the tightness within the European labour market around AI and the skill shortage that really still needs to be addressed across Europe. And the final piece of news that I wanted to highlight was Waymo, the autonomous driving arm of Google, has acquired Oxford University spin-out latent logic. So Waymo is really interested in a particular type of machine learning technique that latent logic has developed called imitation learning. Imitation learning can be used to help develop realistic simulations of the behaviour of motorists, cyclists and pedestrians, improving the, the legitimacy of simulation environments that Waymo would use to train its autonomous vehicle software. I think it also demonstrates the appetite for large tech giants to, re to really look at the European tech scene and pick up some of these interesting AI startups. And it's also the first time that Waymo will be launching a research institute in Europe, essentially via this via this purchase. Yeah, and I guess also is another. Uh, it's a good illustration of why that EU fund is so interesting, right? To try and keep people from being snapped up. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you, Neil and Jack. Do look out for the next episode, which should drop in about March. Uh, the subject of the second episode will be AI and hardware. Uh, do get in touch with us if you'd like to offer comments or thoughts. We know this is a really fascinating subject for discussion, so let us know what you think. You can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn or Twitter under IDC EMEA. And do get involved with the conversation. Uh, also, you can hit that subscribe button. You found the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Thank you all and see you all next time.